Welcome to the Employee Ownership Podcast with Bob Whalen, where Bob discusses anything and everything related to employee ownership. Bring it in, Bob. Well, it's really great to be with you again, Bob, uh, talking about ownership. And so I appreciate you taking the time uh, today. Welcome. Welcome to you and welcome to our listeners. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So uh, on the job or around the office or when you're visiting divisions, you often talk about your business philosophies and specifically about things you think you know for sure. Uh, so I'd like to talk a little bit about those today. Uh, but first, can you can you share a little bit about your business philosophy journey? Yeah, I uh, I came out of the out of college in uh, the early '90s, um, you know, and got started. You know, like so many other twenty-somethings coming out of college, I, I thought I knew a lot. You know, it was it was really over the initial part of that journey. You know, I think you you realize how much you don't know, and I think that that's what really got me started. You know, on a journey of learning and continuous improvement, and just spending a lot of time you know, thinking about business and, you know, what was important. And, you know, that whole, you know, on the things I think I know is, is a little bit of a, a play, you know, on a couple of things is, you know, first of all, Oprah, you know, wrote a book from all of her shows and all that stuff. And it's the the things I know for sure. And I, you know, believe in that a lot. But one of the core tenets is that, you know, I've seen in my life is how much your view changes over time and to always be willing to be open to new evidence. That's what really got me going on my journey around being focused on learning, continuous improvement, just really being open to seeing the world in a, in a different mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Um, so I think many of us go through those growth seasons, uh, perhaps important to note is you never really arrive, right? You uh, never stop learning. Yeah, I think that that's a big part of it. I think, you know, that's true of our business. We're always changing and evolving, you know, as you know, one of the nice things about us looking at a bunch of companies for acquisition, you know, is we just get to see, you know, how many different ways there are to approach a business mm -hmm. and how many different focuses businesses can have to be successful. And I think the, you know, one of the things we've seen for the most part, the companies that are most successful that we're looking at, you know, really have this, this journey where they're just trying to get a little bit better each day. Right. At whatever aspect of the business, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it's sales, pre-con, you know, in, you know, how effectively we install or, you know, the project management approach that's using, you know, you're constantly looking, you know, at ways to make the business a little bit better. You know, for us being, you know, relatively uh, long-term focused and a big focus of what we're about as a business is around our employee ownership philosophy and that that really funds our retirement. You know, we really have to be in this for the long haul because we're not going to create retirements overnight. That's not, you know, how it works. You know, we need time to compound, you know, the things that we're doing to make the business a little bit better. And that's going to lead, you know, to our long-term mm -hmm. success. So also worthy to note that you've been in the race a little bit longer and are probably farther ahead than many of us. Uh, so you've mentioned to managers across the organization that you see business really through this long-term lens. I think you just touched on it a little bit. So especially when we're off, you know, financially, maybe for a month or two, but you also acknowledge that short-term results 
do matter. So why do you think the long-term lens is a better approach for HB employee owners? And so how do you balance that also when you don't have a stellar year? Yeah, I, I think it's really important. And, and Jim Collins referred to it as the power of ants. You know, one of the things in business is you want to make it as simple as possible, you know, for everybody. You know, this number is the key. And, and so we focus on that. The reality is there's no one number you know, to focus on and that we've got to understand that there's an ant. You know, take your example of, you know, short and long term. We really need to do both. But I think in general, in our country, business has a tendency to be too short term focused and not, you know, long term focused enough. And so we, when we talk about being a little more long term focused, it's not that the short term results don't matter, you know, because the reality is the long term is the combination of all the short term mm -hmm, activities, right. you know, we do to create that long term result. So those short term results are incredibly important. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the long term, we're really talking about not sacrificing the long term for some short term gain or, you know, improvement that that's going to cost us over the long run. Mm -hmm. And you you see that, you know, all the time, uh, you know, in the public world that's so focused on their quarterly results or even in private equity where they're focused on just the next 5 years. Right. Like everything is about what you produce, you know, over the next 5 years and that can have, you know, negative effects uh, for the long run. And, and so I like to think of it is, you know, one of our jobs as business leaders is to find those targets that we're shooting for, that we can really define, you know, an objective of what we're trying to do, but at the same time, recognize the business has nuance. It's not that simple. Mm -hmm. And if we maximize one measure, we're probably sacrificing another. And we've got to take that into consideration, mm -hmm. you know, but as a business leader, it's our job, you know, to make it as simple as possible. And that's why at times you'll see a change in direction or a change in focus of what we do, because we've maximized something that's caused a problem in some other area. And it leads us to have to change the direction we're going in mm -hmm. the future. I think McKinsey did a study on long-term versus short-term focused companies, and the long-term companies fared much better overall in terms of revenue increase and profit increase. But they, I think they also sustained crises better. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, they have a well-documented study about the companies that are more you know, long-term thinking and, and, you know, obviously, you know, it's not like those companies don't care about the short term. They, they absolutely do. Uh, but for the companies that articulate that they have more of a long-term vision and, and have some specifics, you know, around, you know, what their greater purpose and, and what they're trying to accomplish, you know, have significantly better success than those that are talking about mm -hmm. quarterly earnings all the time and where we're going next quarter and what we're, mm -hmm. you know, doing. I think those type of studies really, you know, lead us to balancing towards the long term. And, and I would point to the things that, that we did during COVID. You know, we made, we took some very specific, you know, strategies around making sure that we were, you know, taking care of our employee owners as we were going through the COVID crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, really taking advantage uh, of thinking the long term, this shall pass, you know, which was not easy, you know, when we were in the middle of it. Right. Uh, but I think it is, 
you know, a concrete example of in a really tough time, you know, we were willing to make decisions that didn't just think about today. And part of that was being in a financial position coming into COVID, you know, where we could do the right things, you know, where we could be a little, you know, long-term focus. You know, there were businesses that didn't have that luxury. You know, they didn't have that luxury of having the financial resources to really weather the storm. Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm really proud of what we did, you know, during COVID, but I think we set the stage in large part for that by being financially positioned, you know, to weather a storm when, mm -hmm. we, when we went through it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, and you know, last year we performed okay, not a, not where we'd like to have performed, but over the long term, our results are are pretty good, right? Yeah, uh, you know, and you know, our stock is up two hundred and eighty you know, percent over the last seven years. You know, we've had a, over since our inception have had a compounded rate, you know, of over 30% a year. And we're really proud of that. Um, you know, obviously our results last year were not what we wanted them to be. For the first time in our history, we took right. a step back mm -hmm. in, in our stock price. And that's always painful. And, you know, you're not happy about that. But a couple of things, you know, nobody goes straight up you know, and there, there are rough times, you know, and COVID really did put a specific burden, you know, on businesses like us. We had long-term contracts where we essentially locked in the contract, you know, for our construction that we were doing. And in the middle, you know, the cost of that construction changed on us dramatically with inflation, mm -hmm. both on the, on the labor standpoint, you know, as well as on the uh, material and equipment standpoint. And let's face it, there was really no leader in our business that had ever gone through, you know, high inflationary times. And, and so, you know, you can talk about being prepared, you know, if the environment shifts, but it, but it's a challenge. Sure. And we really changed the entire way that we did business over that. And that mitigated those problems, but it didn't eliminate them. Right. I'm really proud of our organization, how we reacted. And there was just a study, you know, that, that came out of the entire construction industry and, you know, the burden that inflation put on subcontractors. And we certainly felt that. But I'm still very proud you know, of mm -hmm. what we did, uh, you know, we faced the reality on the ground, changed how we went about doing business and reacted as fast as we can. And I think we're very, very bullish about what the future holds for us. We are still, you know, on our longer term contracts, have the burden of that inflationary, you know, on those contracts, you know, but as we enter, you know, the next fiscal year, I think we really feel good about where the business is going, what we're doing and, and the future that holds. And again, you know, the short term results matter, mm -hmm. but what matters is that we consistently maximize the results, you know, as we go along. Sometimes that will be better than other times, but that we continue to improve and make sure uh, that we're positioning the business for the future because we have a really important purpose you know, that we're all about here. Someday, every single person in our company will be looking to retire and take care of their family as they go through that. And that's the, the ball that we have our eye on all the time. And that's a very long journey. Mm -hmm. that we're focused on. Yeah, it's the it's the power of and I, I like that. And for us, so the long term is, you know, changing lives through employee ownership. You had talked about a story about CVS that was a really good example of the long-term view, making a, a decision to support that. Yeah, and I, and, and I think it's a really, you know, classic story of your purpose being, you know, real. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like no kidding around. This is what we're doing. And, you know, their long term just cause was to keep people healthy. Mm-hmm. But yet they sold cigarettes, you know, in their store. And in 2014, their CEO, you know, decided that they were going to stop selling cigarettes. Well, they sold $1.5, you know, billion of cigarettes, you know, in their stores and had 500 million of additional add-ons from people that's stopping in to get cigarettes. Mm. That was no easy decision. A lot of money. But they were focused on doing the right thing. They thought it was the right time. But the CEO just didn't do that. He had a plan for how they were going to get out from under, you know, the financial benefit that they got from, you know, selling cigarettes. And they executed on that plan. And, you know, and they woke up, you know, a few years later, not only were they true to their purpose, but they improved their financial results, you know, as they went through it. And I think it's not always easy to stay true to your purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of optionality out there and how we react to the business, you know, and I think we've gotten better because of COVID, not only because of us having to live through inflation and, you know, learn better, you know, how to manage that, but all the lessons of how important our mission is. Our employee owners are our purpose, you know, and staying true to our core values of, of really being disciplined about operating the business for our employee owners. Yeah. That's a great story. So another business tenant that I've heard you speak about might be somewhat related to the long term is doing things in the team's best interest, Uh, not just you personally, but every employee owner at HB or an HB company. Uh, In fact, one of our core behaviors for team is we make decisions in the best interest of the organization. So what does that actually look like day to day? Uh, How does that play out? Well, you know, I think it plays out in multiple different ways for different people in the organization. You know, I think a, a really important tenant of our company is every single person that's in our company is critical to our success, Mm -hmm. no matter what your position is and how those activities play out that are team oriented as opposed to self-serving can be very different. And we all know it when we see it too, right? Right. You know, we know, you know, the person that's just fighting for something for their department or their individual job that's not in the best interest of the team. And it can play out in a multitude of ways. Like if you're focused, you know, on installing this pipe in this hallway, but the person that's doing, you know, the rough in in the room right next to you needs an extra hand, you know, do you moan and groan about doing that? Or do you go help your teammate take care of what needs to be done with two hands at that time? Or, you know, in the office setting, are you thinking about what's in the best interest or your, your department? Or are you constantly viewing the world through, you know, what is the best for our entire company? Sometimes that means seeding a project to some other department that's in a better position to execute on that project than you are, even though, you know, from a personal level, you know, the challenge would be really exciting for you to take on, you know, and do. And so it plays out very differently, but I think it's also one of those things. We know it and see it when it's happening. You know, we can almost see it in the eyes of the individual when it's about them as opposed to being about the team. Mm -hmm. I think it's, 
it's a really important value of ours that we're focused on maximizing the team. I think that leads to a bunch of really positive outcomes. I think it, it leads to us producing for the individual employees. It doesn't mean we don't ever have to sacrifice as an individual, but over the long run, we're going to benefit as being part of this team. I think our customers get a better product. Right. You know, I think when we're focused on others, and I really do believe that the more you focus on others, the more you give, the more you get in return. And that goes for organizations as well. You know, when we do the right thing by our customers, we benefit from that, mm-hmm. you know, in the long run. We've had situations where something fails that we installed because of how we installed it 10 years after we installed it and we fix it and make it right. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the situations that make me proud to be part of this company. You know, when we're willing to do the hard thing, it's not under warranty anymore, but it was our workmanship problem that caused the problem. We stand by it, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what. Thankfully, there's very few of those situations. Right, right. We do great work. <laughs> we rarely have, you know, workmanship issues, but they do happen. We're not perfect, mm-hmm. you know, and are we going to do the right thing, you know, when it matters? And, and that's what I challenge, you know, our whole organization do the right thing. You know, it will come back to us. We will, you know, benefit from doing the right thing all the time, even when it's hard. Mm, Wish I could pick your brain a little bit longer. We're almost out of time, but each podcast, we give you a frequently asked question from the field. And the question this time is, can an employee contribute to the ESOP and buy more shares? Uh, The answer to that is, is no. Uh, the ESOP plan is set up to be 100% contributed by the company. So not only is the employee not required to make a contribution to the ESOP program, they are not allowed uh, to make a contribution uh, to the ESOP plan. I do want to take this as an opportunity to encourage all of our employees to contribute to the 401k plan. You know, we do have a mechanism to make retirement contributions. And I think everybody, uh, every employee owner should take the opportunity to contribute to the 401k plan. If for no other reason, you know, to diversify their retirement savings, to have, you know, different vehicles to save for retirement outside of just the ESOP plan. Yeah. And uh, ending the podcast with a fun fact about employee ownership, what do you have? for us this time, Bob. Yeah, the the fun fact is last year, Vanguard released uh, some research about America's savings and the average retirement savings for somebody that was 65 years old was $87,000. In 2023, our employees that have been with us for six years had an average balance or a median balance of 64,000. And those had been with us for 12 years, had a median balance of 179,000, you know, which is about double what the average savings is at retirement. So really proud of the progress we've made to date over the first 12 years uh, of our ESOP plan, but we still have a lot of work to do to get us all the way to our objective of creating a retirement for all of the employees that spend a career with us. Such a pleasure, Bob. Thank you for your time. Uh, and thank you to those who are listening. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to the Employee Ownership Podcast with Bob Whalen, an HB Global production. Thank you for joining us. See you next month.